hopefully it'll help kind of explain some things. The armor of God is talked about in Ephesians. And so in Ephesians 6, starting at the 10th verse, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, power, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, being girded, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that, it, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And we're all ambassadors. We're all called to, to, to walk. So that prayer is for us. We need boldness. We, uh, and that only comes from putting on the armor of God. And so I wanted to look a little bit deeper at what takes place. And so we can put up the first slide. Okay. So first, you know, what is a wiles? <laughs> the wiles of the devil. That's tricks. That's lies. That's anything that's meant to fool us or to trap us. So putting on the, putting on the armor of God, it requires something. We have to put it on. And, you know, the first thing it tells us to do is it says to gird your waist with truth. Well, it's kind of funny. If you look up truth in the, in the Bible, it's, it's mentioned like 217 times, you know. So what is truth? And um, truth, there's so much in truth. But if you think about it this way, the, 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 your, the, your waist or the, the, your, that portion, what you're putting around your waist, that, what, that's what holds everything else up. So we need to have the truth in us. We need to have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And when the word refers to truth, sometimes it's just saying truth versus being a lie. But when it talks about truth, you know, when we, the first part, you know, I took a lot of scriptures out, so I just hope I pick the ones I like. But in John 1, in the 16th verse, it says, And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came from Jesus. So truth comes from Jesus, okay? Uh, in John 14, it says, but in 14, uh, in the 26th verse, it says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, 
the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So what does that, does that sound like the Holy Spirit? Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And I have one more verse I want to look at. And that's in John 16. And that's in the, it's 12. And, it's, and it says here, it says, I still have, this is Jesus talking. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. And he, uh, he will glorify me, for he will take, take on what is mine and declare it to you. So we need to have the Holy Spirit. You know, and I love it. Our pastor had a teaching several weeks ago about honoring the Holy Spirit. It got me looking at the Holy Spirit in a different way. You know, we, all of us here are filled with the Holy Spirit. We speak in tongues. You know, we get excited sometimes. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the revelation that comes from the Holy Spirit. You know, if I want to understand the Word... I need to see, it says, I need help from my helper to understand. I want the fullness of it. I don't want to just see part of it. I want to see the whole thing. Okay? So now we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. And I know it's kind of laborious, and I'll hopefully be able to have a little fun a little bit later on. But um, if you go into, um, okay, the breastplate, you look up there, it covers your vital organs, mainly your heart. And it's fitted with, you know, as I said before, it's, it's fitted with, with hoops and, and it actually attaches to the belt. So if you loosen your belt, okay, if you, if you let go of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> your, 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 your breastplate can slip. You know, so it's so important that we have the Holy Spirit. You know, it's great to have the word, but if you don't understand it, what good does it do you? You know, what good does it do you if you don't understand the power and the anointing of the word? Okay, what good is it to you if you know it and you don't put it on, if you don't use it? So many people don't use it. I've been guilty of not using it. You know what? I don't want to ever get in that position again where I don't use it. So in order to put on the breastplate of righteousness, you know, we, get, we, get, we, we, get, uh, we have the Holy Spirit there holding it up. And we also have to, to acknowledge that um, righteousness, it's not our own righteousness. We need to see ourselves in Christ. And we need, we need the Holy Spirit to really grasp that. You know, to really understand that. Because when you read the word and it says it's not about works, it's not about this, you're under the law, you're not under the law, the law was good, the law, but you're not under it, all this kind of stuff. You need to understand where the law fits in, in your walk. And I'm not talking about the law today. I'm just talking about righteousness. We are righteous not because of what we did, not because we um, were able to do all the commandments, Jesus was the only man that could do all the commandments. We are righteous because Jesus is righteous. That's it. 
When we start, now, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't do righteous acts. But we need to see ourselves as righteous. That, that breastplate is Jesus. And because of that, and I'm wearing that thing, and I got the whole, I'm, it's girded up with the Holy Spirit. I know that I can't act the way I used to. I can't think the way I used to. Because it's an honor to have the breastplate on me. I'm saved. I've been made right with God. There was nothing I can do in myself except to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And boom, he put that breastplate there for me. Okay, so I, I got, I've got some scriptures to pass it up, but I've got, uh, you know, I, got, <laughs> I always have a lot of scriptures. But everyone knows. We've all heard the story. We've heard that. But um, I want us to think in terms of when we put, the blood, when we put that breastplate on, we need to think about purity. It's kind of funny. You know, when you hang out with your church friends, you act pretty good. It's when you're at home. It's when you're in the world. It's when you're in your car and someone cuts you off, you know. And I heard someone say that, you know, you, you can't take off their armor of God. Well, you know, it's kind of like taking off the armor of God when you choose not to be righteous. So, I, but but it's, it's given to us. Okay, but if we've got to wear it, and we've got to be aware of it. So be aware that you're righteous, and, and don't use the excuse, well, I'm just a poor sinner saved by grace. I can't do anything on my own, because you've got the Holy Spirit that can give you revelation knowledge on how to change. It's weird. It's, when you get revelation knowledge on one word, it can just change your whole thinking. A scripture you've read all of your life, all of a sudden it comes alive in the power, and next thing you know, you start acting righteous because of the word, because the word has changed you. So, so I, want, I want to just encourage everyone to, to look at it from that, from that perspective. And I'm going to skip down you know, and talk a little bit more about, about the, the, the uh, I want to talk about taking on the shield next, because that's, that's one thing we have a lot of, um, a lot of uh, information about. There's a lot of studies that have been done on that, but there's a lot of word that talks about that. It, and in, in this word it says, Above all, taking on the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And I want to pull up that, that, the second slide. Okay, that's kind of what we do. We get busy and we don't, we don't, we don't use faith. We, you know, the fiery darts are coming at us, and, and, and we, we forget that we even have a shield of protection. And then what happens is we're full-blown flu, we're full-blown whatever ailment, whatever fiery dart that's been on us. And the first line of, of protection, if we can go to the next slide, I can see that. From here I can't see it very well. It looked a lot better on my, my computer screen at home, but... but the first line of line is that shield. If we have that shield up, those fiery darts can't hit the breastplate, can't hit the word of God. We don't even have to deal with it. So if we can have, if, in fact, and how, what, what do you do? You're holding it up. That's that's the you know everything else we talked about from that point is something that you have to put on you. I forgot about the, the you know the preparation of the of the gospel, 
that's something you, you have to prepare yourself. But once you read, read the word, you, put, you, know, you, you get prepared. So you're, you're dressed. And those things just kind of, they're on you. The shield of faith, you hold it. You can't just loop it on your arm. If we can go back to the first slide. A lot of us are like this guy. This guy right here. He's got everything. Got a sealed, got a sword. He's just, he's got it all, right? But does he look like he's using it? That's what most Christians do. You know, we just, we go, we bring our, we arm, I got my armor of God, I got it on, I'm ready to go. And we don't, we don't use the shield, we don't use the sword, we just stand there, we don't walk anywhere, we don't, we just stand. A lot of, a lot of Christians are just standing. And, and when you stand, you are settling. It's so funny, Joy and I talk, so we talk on the phone a lot, and it's funny, we get so excited. In the mornings, we get so excited just talking about the Lord. We have a hard time standing, don't we? I mean, we get so excited. You know, if you're not excited about the Word, then I want to encourage you, ask, find, what's going on? What's going on? It's okay to ask God what's coming, going on. It's okay, because if you don't ask for help, you're not going to receive the help. If you continue to settle, guess what? You'll continue to get nothing. There's too many Christians out there that are getting nothing. There's no benefit to being a Christian. Think about it. There's no benefit. You come to church every Sunday. You sit down in your your seat. You kind of listen to the word. You may dance to the praise. You feel all good, and all of that leaves you. You you hit the door. And then you go back to your lives. There's no change. Why is it that same word can change this guy and not that guy? It's the same word. It's the same anointed word. What is, what, what's happening there? Could it be that we're not taking on everything that's being, being given to us? I know that happens to me. You know, I can't say that every time that I come to church... That I'm like, woohoo, on fire, you know. I'm, I'm experiencing a lot of that lately, and it's nice, you know. But there are some days, you know, that you, you just don't want to come. It was, I'll, I'll just share this with you. I, I'm working on a few things. You know, I, I teach a Sunday school. I teach, I, I'm, I'm going to do this, and I'm, and I'm preparing something else. And, and, and I had this thought, I'm not going to get to watch my shows. My shows that are recorded. You know, and that is, that's, that's, not, that's not a good way of thinking. Uh, praise God. I, you know, I, I, I put time into the word. Praise God. But you get those thoughts. And I, I want to encourage you. Everyone gets those thoughts to not do, not be obedient. You know what? But I can tell you something. Because I did get into the Word and because I did study, I'm shored up a little bit more. I'm girded with a little more truth. I got a little more revelation. My, my, my feet are shod. You know, I am ready to hold up, you know, I'm hold up that, that, that sword. And then I'm going to wield my, my hold, hold up that shield and, and wield my sword. And 
I want to talk a little bit about the sword, too. So we've talked about the importance of, of having it all, not just putting part of it on. Let's put it all on. So when you read these scriptures, it, it's only a, you know, a paragraph or two, but it's so important to understand the purpose of each um, piece of equipment. So the one thing that I left off was to shod your feet with preparation. And that basically, it's just, we need to be able to be steady. And if you don't know what the Word says, okay, so you have the Holy Spirit revealing the truth to you so you really know what it says, okay. It's great to listen to people, and it's great to get their revelation, but you can't say, in the name of Karen, or the words that Karen said, <laughs> even though it's the Word, it's the name of Jesus, it go, so there's something about going to the word yourself and speaking the word yourself over that situation. So that's why that, that's the preparation. So that when something happens, you don't slip. We can, we can stand strong and not slip and not be tricked. And we can move forward. Okay, so the last one that it, it, it talks about is the helmet of salvation. And it's so important that we talk about that because that's, that's the last piece of armor. It seems kind of strange because you get saved again first, and then you get all the other things, right? <laughs> so why would he say the helmet, of sal- the helmet of salvation? What's kind of, if you talk to a lot of Christians, they're very excited when they first get born again, you know, and they, ex- they have the salvation experience. And you, you get a new Christian, they're excited, right? But then has... You know, 20 years down the road, you kind of, you, you, you get kind of thinking about all of the benefits on the world, your worldly life that you get. And we forget, hallelujah, we're going to heaven. We are going to heaven. That is really the most important thing. We get to spend eternity in heaven. Eternity is a whole lot longer than the 90 years that I'm going to live, you know? But we get so distracted by what's happening in that 90 years. And we let that affect everything. I mean, if we... (laughs) But we're not going to hell. That's exciting stuff. That, you know, but we just say it like, oh, yeah, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty exciting stuff. Because all we had to do was accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and then he gave us his righteousness, made us right with God, took our sins away, and we get to go to heaven. And that's, you know, now that's great. You know, it's good we, we should, on earth, take our sins away. It's great. We, we can live a, we should be trying to live a heaven, heavenly life here on earth. That's what we should be, be pursuing, is that heavenly life here on earth. And the only way that you can get that is revelation knowledge. That is praying. That is speaking in tongues. That is getting into the word. That is joining together. And one thing I, I wanted to point out, if we can pull up the slide, it's slide number five. Uh, one, two, yeah, five. The thing about a sword, okay, our walk is not a walk that we do by ourselves. 
The word tells us that we're to walk in unity. The word tells us we're to submit to one another. Okay, there's protection in that. So, yeah, what, so what you have is you have everyone holding up their, their, their shield. And everyone is protected. You can protect more people. We're a lot stronger united. If I'm out there by myself with my sword and my shield and my armor, I'm not as strong as I am when I have those people standing with me. And I want, if you can go to the next slide, slide number six. Sometimes in the morning prayer, it feels like this to me. We, are, in our, we get so united on things that the spirit flows. You know, this morning, I don't remember the prophecy that, that Marilyn had. It was wonderful. I mean, it's just, we're all just in unity in there. We are, someone's got an issue. We are praying about that issue. And it's like, it's like we're, we're all holding our shields up. We're speaking the word over it. And we're in agreement. And the word talks about the power of unity. The power of three. You know, the, 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 the power, you know, we, we've got to think in terms of we're not by ourselves. When we isolate ourselves, when we stand apart, we're not tapping into something that God designed for us. That is a source of protection. And what's really great about that is if you, that's infectious. You know, when you're, the enemy is throwing something at you, you know, when you're standing with somebody, it's just, it's weird. It's like those thoughts kind of melt away. The, those, those fiery darts just get quenched. And, and I want to encourage you, coming to prayer, I don't go to prayer because I'm oh so holy. I go to prayer because I need it. I go to prayer because um, of the unity. Um, some of my best friends are in prayer with me. We hear each other's hearts. We pray for each other. And when I'm praying, I can picture their faces because I know them. I'm walking with them. I'm praying with them. And it's like we have our shields up and we're standing together and we don't like it when the enemy messes with any one of us. And now we pray for, we pray for other people in the church. I don't want to say we don't do that. But it's really easy for us to kind of, it's, you know, you, you go into a holy room with people praying. It's just... It, there's, there's a, I don't know, my mind gets quiet. I don't know if that happens to you. Well, I think Joy's mentioned that. It just quiets your mind. And I've been a part of other prayer groups. I went to a church. We all sat in a circle, and everybody had to say a prayer. And the whole time, I always sat towards the, the beginning because I didn't want to have to worry about what I was going to pray at the end. I wanted to get it over with. <laughs> that's, that's, the wrong, that's the wrong attitude of prayer. I want to, I want to go first because... I didn't know what I was praying for. I wanted to sound holy. You know, I wanted to sound like I was talking about and, you know, and, and all kinds of prideful things. And so that's the only, my only experience. You know, at Bible college, a few of us prayed together, but we didn't do it every day. There's something about that consistency. There's something about um, taking advantage of what God has provided for you. you know, the scripture talks about, it says, praying always in supplication. And so now I'm going to, I want to get to the slide number four. And I don't even know how much time I have. Okay, got some time to kind of talk a little bit. So he's kind of like laid the foundation a little bit, you know, about the armor of God. And if you think about it, with the armor of God, you've got the, bre- the, the breastplate protecting the heart. 
The helmet covers the mind. You know, the sword is speaking, you know, it's, it's the word, using the word. And I know my class probably gets tired of seeing this. You see all kinds of different examples of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people put the, all the circles on top of each other. I don't do that because there's a struggle. There's a struggle that takes place. It says that, that the, 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 the flesh wars against the spirit. And who's in the middle? It is our soul. We are in the middle. And so I do it this way to kind of, kind of give a picture. So if you think about it this way, the Holy Spirit, okay, that's what we get when we get filled with the Holy Spirit. And with that comes all these wonderful gifts. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And I put in there godly women, uh, wisdom because that's a part of it too. Okay, then if you look at what the soul is, the soul is your mind, will, and emotions. But your soul is really, it's, it's the, it interprets everything that, you're, that you hear. You use your soul, your, your soul will interpret what the Holy Spirit tells you. Your soul will interpret what your body tells it. And, and, and so, your, so your mind is like the processor that takes in data. Your will is that's where you make your decisions. You decide what you're going to act on or not act on. The emotions are love, hate, joy, sorrow, and fear. And you've got your conscience there, which is um, 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 your right and wrong. And then you've got your, your personality is in there. Now, your body is your senses. It's what you can see, you can hear. It's all, it's all outward senses, and it is loud. And so what you have here, let's just look what I deal with a lot, my hearing, okay? I hear something, and then I don't like it. Therefore, I get the, I get the, so I hear something, so my emotions that go with that a lot of times might be fear or anger. Or, you know, oh, I didn't put anger up there. Oh, my goodness, why anger? Well, hate, hate's up there. And so what happens is because you're relying on your flesh, for input, your mind makes the wrong decisions. And I want, I, I want to kind of give you an example, and I shared this in my class the other day. Some of y'all may have known, known my husband. Um, he, uh, when I married him, he was, went through a, a bitter divorce. And, and so he had some issues because of that. I was a spoiled brat, okay? And so um, my, I came from a good family, you know, and, and um, my, my dad respected my mother. They loved each other. They honored each other. And so when I went to marriage, that's what I expected, you know. And I remember our very first breakfast we had with the kids after the honeymoon. And I wanted to have this elaborate thing, so I made pancakes, eggs, sausage, hash browns, and orange juice and coffee. And I was making everything. I was bringing it to the table. I worked hard doing it all yourself, you know, and, and wanting to get it all out because I wanted it to be perfect like those kids really cared, but I wanted it perfect, you know, and so I had everything all timed out. And when I, when I was bringing the last batch of pancakes and I was sitting down, I looked down and all the food was gone. And the only pancakes left were the ones I had in my hand. There was no orange juice and they were just chowing down. Now, Mark was exuberant enough to look at me and see the shock and hurt on my face. I was hurt. And he just 
solves a problem. He gets up and he, he takes Sean's plate and he takes some things off of Sean's plate and puts it down. He takes Robert's plate and puts some things off of Robert's plate and puts it down. And he, he, takes, he gets my glass and takes some orange juice from each of the kids, you know. Okay. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, has he lost his mind for one thing? Uh, I was taught not to drink after anybody. And I'm not going to drink after some teenagers. I can smell them from here, you know. And, you know, and they go on to chow down. Well, I'm so upset I cannot eat. And I go and get me a cup of coffee because no one's drank that coffee, you know. And I'm sitting down and just felt, by the time I went and got my coffee and sat back down, they're gone. So I clean up the kitchen, you know, and the whole time, hmm, getting mad, getting mad. This is not right. No respect. Worrying all the stuff. I can't even tell you all the stuff I was thinking. It wasn't good. And so, and then I decide, I'm, this is not right. And they don't even know it's not right. So I'm going to storm through, through the family room, and I'm going to, you know, I was living in an apartment. Storm through there. I'm going to go in my bedroom, and I'm going to just have a pity party and wait for Mark to come check on me. Well, Mark never checked on me. <laughs> I'm there for hours. And finally, I'm starting to get hungry for lunch because I didn't have any breakfast. And I was thirsty, and so I go back out, and they're just so happy to see me. You know, hey, are you hungry for lunch? I'm saying, yeah. You know, they want to go to Olive Garden, you know. And I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness. You know, and I came out because I wanted Mark to know I was upset and crying. So I made sure that my mascara was running a little bit, you know. Never asked me a question, okay. Needless to say, I'm probably... I don't know, seven years into the marriage and I'm still playing that game where I get upset and offended and I go in my room and have a pity party and cry and I come out with my makeup messed up and they're just having the time of their life. Nobody cares about me. Nobody cares. They can't even tell. You know, that this is what's going through. My, and it's a shame. It's many years of my life. What's kind of funny is, thankfully... Mark and my, my marriage started to get healed a little bit. We started talking about some of the things we, that we used to talk about, you know, used to happen. And so I asked him what he thought about that. He didn't know what I was talking about. And so I said to him, I, said, I used to go to my room and I would cry. And he goes, oh, I thought you were napping. <laughs> we didn't want to disturb you because you were napping. See, I interpreted the whole thing wrong. Okay, based on what I saw, based on what I felt, okay, I had bad data. Never once did I go to God and say, help me. I went, go to God, change him. Change him. And the funny thing about it is, it wasn't until I changed that things changed. We've heard it said before. Do you want to be right or do you want to be healed? I wanted to be right for way too long. I could tell stories about all the awful things, the thoughtless things he did. You know, just he wasn't thinking. He wasn't, he wasn't planning to hurt my feelings. That was not his plan, but that's what I thought. I have learned that my emotions are almost always wrong. And that's a good place to be. It drives me crazy when you see these TV shows. How does that make you feel? You know, uh, your feelings count. Well, 
Not if they're wrong. Not, not if they're wrong. See, the world tells you all this garbage that keeps you in that pit, you know, and you never think to get out of it, even to ask for help for it, because after all, my feelings count, because Dr. Phil said it does. Right? Or just go to Facebook. You know, <laughs> or go to your TV shows. It's your feelings. We've got to be so careful with your feelings. I love that. I shared this with, with Joy. I had, a, I, had, I had a neighbor named Kevin. Monica knows him. He's a pretty mean kid. And I'd go in and I would cry to my mom and say, Mom, Kevin keeps picking on you. you know, just. And my mom just said, I'm tired of you complaining. You choose either to play with him or stop complaining. I stopped complaining. And guess what? I had fun. Kevin was my best friend. But, you know, we have in this day and age, we have, uh, the, the, it's called the snowplow moms. Okay, we moms that go in there and try to make everything all nice and the path clean for their kids to go through. And that way they don't know how to, to, to have any troubles. Because they don't even realize that mom is over there plowing their way. So they never had to walk to school in the snow. You know, it's, it's easy peasy. Snow is easy. Life is easy. You know, I've got, I had a friend who the, the wife was very immature, and she was a basket case, and I shared it with my class. You know, she was one of those wet paper bags that fell apart because they were so wet. Couldn't hold anything. The husband, she, and she didn't work. Okay, so, the, so this is what, what she did is she looked pretty. She worked out. She hung out with her friends. And I don't know, probably read self-help books. I don't know. Okay. Her husband worked, did the job, had a, um, uh, cleaned the house because she didn't do it right. Cleaned the house, cooked, and did everything, you know. And, and, and they, they were very proud of their relationship because he did everything. Okay, and she could and she could be free to do whatever she wanted. Well, he was keeping her a baby. Okay, he was plowing the ground for her. She never had any issues whatsoever, and she and she wouldn't understand why somebody else was stressing out with life because he took all the stress off of her. Well, she never had to cry out to God. She never had to rely on the Word. She never had to do any of those things to to to, to grow. So she is the same woman at my age, in her 50s, as she was in her 20s. Do we want to be the same? I don't want to be the same person I was last week. You know? And when you get in the Word, you see, wow, got that wrong. Wow, got that wrong. It was so funny. The pastor, um, I think it was yesterday morning, he prayed that I would... Um, I, it'd be led by the Lord, not by, I don't know, something to the effect, not, I, something to the effect that to make sure it's the Holy Spirit. Well, when he said that, I already had my lesson done. <laughs> it was more work for me, <laughs> for one thing. And so I'm sitting there, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you know. But I'm just, that was good that... You know, I'll probably teach what I taught in my class. I'm not, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't time wasted that I spent, and it, wasn't, it was a bad lesson. But today, I feel like what needs to be talked about 
is we need to we need to be walking around with the full arm of God, number one. We need to be in fellowship with one another, number two. We need to be submitting to one another. We think, oh, submitting. I don't want to submit anything, right? It's hard enough for a husband and wife to submit to each other. You're going to submit to your, 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 your person on your road that can't park in the parking space straight? You know, the one that sits in my seat even though they know it's my seat? <laughs> you know, or the, the one that, you know, talks during the, the sermon and distracts me? You know, I'm supposed to submit? But the per, the per, you, you, submitting is just basically what it's doing is it's submitting just means that you're looking what their preference is. It's letting go of your own selfishness and being willing to conform to what is. So it's a good practice to submit to one another. And, and you, you don't have to be afraid of it because you get the full armor of God. And if one of those people fires a fiery dart at you, because that's what we fire darts at each other, you know. You know, we, 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 we judge. We, we look at things you do. So, so if, if someone happens to my st- by mistake, just fire something at you. You don't have to be afraid because... You're wearing the armor of God. The word will protect you. What they say doesn't have to penetrate. They say something and it may sound rude or maybe you just interpret it wrong. You know, they weren't mad at you. They just had gas. Right? They're not mad at you or, 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 or rejecting you. They've got to go tend to something else. If we can get to the point that we realize it is not about me. That is the source of your trouble. In marriage, in life, in fellowship, if you're only concerned about yourself, well, guess what? You're going to only see and be inter- you're going to interpret things wrong because if you're focused on you, your flesh, you're not focused on the spirit. You're not looking at all these wonderful Fruits of the Spirit that just come from having a relationship with Him. And so I want to encourage, and I can tell you, you know, now that I'm a widow and I've been, I've been like single for a couple years, it's funny, I'm learning how to be selfish. You wouldn't think you have to learn how to be selfish, but I'm learning how to be more selfish. Because nobody rubs me. Okay, my, my dog sheds, that bothers me. But when I go home, I have peace, and it's wonderful. Nobody rubs me. So I have to go to other places to get rubbed. Because it's not good not to get rubbed. It's not. You know, we may like it. Our flesh loves it. I'm fine. I'm happy, right? I'm tired. You know, just doing whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it. I enjoyed it at first. It's getting a little bit old now, to be honest with you. But I, but now I'm now. But so funny, the Holy Spirit leads me to study. I want to watch TV, right? I want to sleep in. <laughs> and it's all what I want to do. And it doesn't mean you can't sleep in. Sometimes your body needs to sleep. I'm not saying that. But we need to. When something happens, okay, something happens over here in our body. Our first thing isn't to console with our soul. Okay, no. We need to get the, the spirit involved. Okay, we are created in God's image. We are, we, there's three parts to us. 
Don't leave out the most important part. So we need to be saying, hey, Lord, what's going on here? Hey, Lord, what's going on here? You know, recently, um, the Lord just told me, had me do a study on I'm studying Paul, and he just said to me, this may sound kind of harsh, but he told me to get off my high horse. You know, and, and, that, and, and I had to study things out because I didn't want to think I was high-minded. But he just said that, you know, being high-minded is really anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of the word. That's, that's a high mind. It's anything. So if we know that the word says this, but our high mind says, but, <laughs> that's a high mind. But there's, there's another aspect to it, is that he told me to get off the horse, which, you know, because he wanted me to see things from a different level. When you're on the horse, you see the symptoms, okay? When you get off the horse, that is when you can see what's causing the symptoms, okay? It's like, on the horse, it's my mind, off the horse, I'm consulting with the Holy Spirit, and that's how I kind of look at it. And so in my life, I'm new at this because I'm so used to referring to my mind that I, I have to make – something happens, and I say, okay, wait a second. Okay, that's how I used to think. Am I supposed to think that way? Let's get off the horse. Let's look at the situation from a different angle. Let's talk to the Lord about this thing here. Let's see what the Word says about this thing here. Oh, my goodness, I'm seeing it all wrong. I'm wrong. Okay. Nine times out of ten, I'm wrong. My first thought is wrong. And, but, but the word says that we're being perfected. So I'm thankful that I don't always act on my first thought. Praise God. But, but I want my first thought to be, to be from the Spirit. My first, my first response should be, what, Lord, What's going on here? Jesus said we needed a helper because we could not understand what Jesus had provided for us without the helper. So why do we why don't we always consult the helper? And what's so great about the helper, he goes everywhere with us. We'll look things at we'll Google. Our first response should not be Google what do you say? It should be Holy Spirit. Bible Gateway, you know, because Google will say, your feelings count. (laughs) Go with your feelings. You shouldn't put up with that. Yeah, you're being treated bad. You know, it's interesting. You know, Paul was treated pretty bad. But look at the revelation he got. You never heard Paul gripe or complain about a situation. He was looking at at, at the, the Spirit. And he had all the fruits of the Spirit operating in him when he was in prison, probably standing with knee high sometimes in filth. So I want to encourage everyone spend more time praying in tongues. I, it's funny, we pray in tongues a lot around here, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ramping it up. And you don't know it, but I know it because when I pray in tongues, I get a clarity. I can see things from a different label. I don't get as offended as easily. I'm not going to say I don't get offended, but it's weird. It doesn't take off like it did. You know, I had a realtor who's like a realtor, which I really don't like. She's really mean, really liberal. 
And I have to tell you, if I see her car pull up, I'm like, oh. she calls, you know, I'm doing that garbage, right? And I caught myself because, you know, my mind's being renewed and all of a sudden that's not so attractive to the Holy Spirit. And so, but I was tempted, you know, you know, and I said, I'm going to take this call. And I take the call and they proceed to gripe at me because they wanted to see the driveway being poured. Like, I don't know why, but I didn't tell her her driveway was being poured. I've never told a single client that their driveway was being poured, you know. And so she was mad, and she was going on and on. And I just, I listened to her for a little while, and I just said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hang up now. And before I hang up, I just want you to know, I don't deserve to be talked to this way. I have nothing but good in my heart for you right now. And I had to say right now because two days ago, different story. So, so, so right now, I have nothing but good intentions for you and good in my heart for you. And I, I had no idea that you wanted to watch that. And I said, but you really don't need to because our experts are taking care of that before the concrete is poured. You, the inspectors have to come out and inspect. I'll let you know when that's scheduled. And I hung up. Went on my day, and I forgot all about them. Okay. Most people, after you get chewed out from somebody, what happens? You talk about it, you tell a friend about it. You know, I'd done that before with this particular person. But I forgot all about it. And what was so interesting is later, about four hours later, they called. And they said, they, they, I want to apologize. You've been nothing but kind to us. You didn't deserve it. I said, thank you. Hung up the phone. Praise you, Jesus. You know, but you know what? It didn't matter if they didn't call. I wasn't thinking about I wasn't carrying that baggage with me. We load up so many offenses and carry them around. We're so weighed down that we can't, we can't hold up our, our, our shield of faith because you only got so many hands. And if your hands are full of offenses, what are you going to hold the shield up with? What are you going to hold your... You're, you're sort up with. We need to just let those things go, and I'm telling you, you can. Oh, no, you don't understand. I don't have to understand because I know what the Word says. Okay? Our thinking needs to line up with the Word, not line up with what any fiery dart that the enemy can throw our way to try to start a fire. We need... To just say, what does the word say about this? You, you get a Google app. What does God say? You've got, you don't need a Google app because you know, it never goes down. You don't have, a, have to have a network to talk to the Holy Spirit. It goes everywhere with us. So I want to encourage you. Once again, I keep saying it. Spend more time with the Holy Spirit. He's always there. Speak the word of God over your life. Stop speaking the lies. Stop meditating on the lies. Let it go. Let it go. You can. I'm telling you it's because you can. I've let a lot of things go. I've held on to a lot of things. <laughs> and let me tell you, it's more pleasant to let it go. And what's so funny is that you, you won't even, when you look back at those things, you can laugh at it. You know, 
And that's, it's so nice to just to laugh at, you know, laugh at how stupid you were, really, that you let that happen for so long. You know, we let things happen too long. It talks about going around the mountain. You know, we go around the mountain. We go around the mountain. I want us to be. A, I want us to have have effect. I want us to be in unity. I want us to be standing with one another. I don't want to be separated from the body. I want to submit to one another in psalms and hymns and heavenly heavenly things. Okay, I can't talk to the world about heavenly things. I got to talk to my friends about it. If you ain't talking to people about heavenly things, you're missing it. You the the fire has to be stoked in us, the good fire. If we never talk about what God is doing, if we never talk about problems, uh, promises, we just sit in church and hear this meal and we take it. Sometimes we, we take it. Maybe, maybe it depends on what it is. As long as it doesn't step on my toes. As long as it doesn't tell me I've got to do something. Don't tell me I've got to change. You know? But if we decide to get connected to spend time with people on fire. Pull up that slide, Kathy, the, the one with the guy, that slide number, number three. This is who I want to be. I want to be that guy. If I'm in battle, I want that guy standing next to me. We can be that guy because the word says so. We have all the power, all the authority, all the anointing, all the righteousness, all the truth. And we've got the word and we've got Jesus sitting next to our father and the Holy Spirit leading the charge. So think of yourself different, not like the guy just standing there holding everything. Okay. Strive to be this guy. Your life will change. Our life should be changing. If it's not, this could be a wake-up call. We need to wake up. So much of the church is that frog sitting in the pot that's slowly being boiled to death because it's slowly happening to them. Let's jump out of the pot. Let's get in, get in line with the Holy Spirit. Let's love one another and encourage one another and see what happens in your life. See, it's not going to just change your life. It's going to change your children's life. People are going to look over to you and say, oh, what happened to her? At first, it might be who she thinks she is. But after a while, they'll say, hmm, that's not the same person. She's changed. He's changed. So I'll close right now. Thank you, Lord, for your love, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your words of encouragement. I thank you, Lord, that we can be more than what we are because of you. And, Father, I just pray that everyone hears my heart today and is encouraged to be who you've created them to be. In the name of Jesus, amen. Oh, I'm sorry, y'all are dismissed. (laughs) Unless you want to hang out.